Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Hello, and welcome to the Last Symptom Podcast. I'm Shamala Del Rosario, and I'm your guest host this week. I'm so honoured that Brian asked me to host the show. Nervous too. So, a little bit about me. I'm 55, British, and I unknowingly lived with borderline personality disorder for the first 49 years of my life. Notice that I've said lived with, not live with. And so for clarity, I did have borderline personality disorder, and now I don't. So maybe you're wondering whether that means that I've erased the terrible impact that my distorted thinking and my behaviours had on my life or the lives of my children. No, it doesn't. Does it mean that I've learned coping skills or, you know, managing or controlling my feelings? No, it doesn't. Does it mean that I don't get angry or sad anymore? No, it doesn't. During my recovery, I started to record my personal thoughts and insights, and I created my own podcast. What I wanted to do was to help other people who were also on this journey. Mostly to raise awareness amongst people of my age, you know, that have unknowingly emotionally abused their now adult children, and to help them to kind of take responsibility and end the generational cycle. It's not about blaming and shaming people, but it's about getting them to accept that their understanding of the true nature of feelings, self and life, it's skewed, and just helping them to correct it. Anyway, have a listen if you like. Some things might resonate with you and maybe help you to ask some of the, well, the difficult questions during your own inner work. Anyway, my podcast is called The Only Cure for Borderline Personality Disorder. And it's available on all podcast platforms. And I'm meaning to start recording again soon. It's just that I've been so busy with life. So, I'm the mother of three adult daughters. I was a detached, dismissive, uninterested, cold, unaffectionate, and overall an invalidating mother. I taught them that love wasn't conditional. It was not unconditional, that it was only given when they behaved in accordance with my expectations, with my whims. I was the most destructive force in their lives. I emotionally neglected and abused them, even into the 30s. 
And it wasn't until my eldest daughter raised her lifetime of feelings of inadequacy, disappointment, emotionally emptiness, depression, and my piss-poor parenting that I actually began to consciously acknowledge that there was something wrong with me. She was planning on um, having a baby, and she told me in no uncertain terms that I could never see her child. She was cutting me out of her life completely, and this was to protect any child from my emotional abuse. That was six years ago. So I spent the next four years reading up on everything BPD-related. I tried therapists, I tried DBT, but no success. And I still believed that borderline personality disorder was incurable. And then two years ago, I found Brian Barnett's podcasts. (laughs) I binge-listened again and again. Now I'd got some hope. Everything started to make sense. I'd never questioned my thoughts before, so I'd never connected them to my feelings or really heard that spiteful inner critic. I hadn't heard the venom that I aimed at myself. I hadn't heard the spiteful and cruel things that I constantly said to myself. I was totally unaware that I was perceiving every interaction through this invisible filter. The filter, it was shame. A filter that was silently telling me that I was a piece of shit. Through the last symptom, I was able to connect the dots and trace everything back to those two distorted core beliefs that I'd subconsciously formed in early childhood, that my feelings were inherently irrelevant and shameful, devoid of worth, and therefore so was I. But once I knew what I was actually dealing with, and had an accurate understanding of what it was, how it worked, I cured myself of it. And now, honestly, I'm a completely different person. I was able to distinguish symptoms from cause. And you know the entirety of this flipping disorder. It it is, honestly it is. It's rooted in those two distorted core beliefs. And once I fixed that, I fixed all of the symptoms. I mean, fast forward to today, I'm a grandma, you know. Two of my daughters have got children now. My granddaughter's going to be four next week. And my grandson is two and a half. And both of my daughters, they now trust me with these incredible little people. So I've got my granddaughter four days a week and my grandson three days a week. So I'm with one of them every day. They tire me out, you know. But I love it. I love being with them. And I'm super, super, super invested in their emotional health. And you know, their perceptions about their value as people, the inherent worth of their feelings, their sense of dignity, it's honestly, it's incredible. They're already confident in themselves and they've got absolutely no sense of shame about themselves. The cycle has been well and truly broken. How, you might ask by me doing the inner work. So what does it mean to do your inner work? I mean, it's tough. I won't lie to you. Inner work, it is, it's gut-wrenching, bone-crushing, it's heartbreaking. It's work born from tears, 
vomit, sweat, exhaustion, and finally surrendering and acceptance. It's like untangling or unknotting a, a very fine necklace. You make that decision that it's time to loosen up that necklace because it's choking you. But the more you unknot one part, the other part can seem to get even more tightly knotted up. The more you peel back the layers of yourself, the tighter the knots can feel. And the closer that you get to finding the core of you, the more entangled are the knots that you're going to find, the worst ones of all. But reaching and untangling them, it's worth everything. It's the greatest gift that you can give to yourself and those around you. You know, I'd subconsciously spent my life doing anything, no matter how stupid or absurd, self-destructive, just to avoid looking in, doing my own inner work. Turning inward, it did, it terrified me. I hated myself. Why would I want to get to know myself? I felt ashamed, wounded, small, fragile. I I was, I was driven by fears and I needed that tough exterior to protect myself. You know, that shell like a tortoise so you could hide in it. Spikes like a sea urchin. Camouflage like a chameleon and venom like a snake. Well, you know, looking back, I did, I behaved like a skunk. When I felt threatened or perceived a personal slight, and you know, well, believe me, everything and everyone was a personal slight in my world. Everything was deliberately done to upset me. I would, I tried to get away from doing it, but more often than not, I'd feel cornered, under attack, and that's when I'd spray. Not with any physical spray, but with words. You know, nasty, spiteful, cruel, offensive, insulting type of words. Words that I deliberately used to cause the maximum distress to others. I was proud, temporarily, of having, you know, a sharp tongue. But then I'd feel shameful. Not just because of what I'd said, but because I perceived that the other person now knew who I really was. And I hated them for getting a glimpse of the real me. The me that I needed to hide away. And you know, for the first 49 years of my life, I would have preferred to have died in stubborn ignorance than admit that I was in denial. Disconnected. Disengaged. Defensive. Unaware. Hurt. Or in fact, actually able to do something about it, about my stuff. But it was so much easier to point my fingers at something outside of me. It was those people. Oh no, it was the system. Oh no, the situation or the circumstances. But you know, if you don't turn inward and develop the strength and courage to face and heal what hurts inside of you, you remain prisoners of of your shame, of your histories circumstances and fears and of that unawareness but when you start doing your own inner work you turn your attention inwards inner work it means taking full responsibility for yourself and when you start to take responsibility for who you are regardless of what has happened to you 
Gosh, you're bound to come face to face with unpleasant feelings. Yucky, nasty feelings. Old hurts. The stored pain and memories that you'd rather forget. Self-hatred and self-judgment. It's all of that shame in there. It's literally stuffed down into the shadows. But instead of battling the enemies out there, you're going to face and disarm the enemies and threats that are looming within you, inside of you. And they're born from those two distorted core beliefs that your feelings are inherently shameful, devoid of worth, and therefore so are you yourself. You know, it's about diving inward, speaking to yourself, being in connection and dialogue with you, seeing yourself, knowing yourself, and loving yourself. Really, it involves searching out the parts of you that have been exiled and forgotten, judged, dismissed. It involves finding all that was hidden, your feelings, beliefs, prejudices, hurts, wounds, shadows and memories. But it's also about being willing to feel and to process the pain, process the hurt and the shame, that fear, the rage and sadness that you'll definitely find as you journey down the rabbit hole of your authentic self. I can't recommend the fundamentals course highly enough. Honestly, it's life-changing. Everything inside of you is going to want to reject many things to begin with. But you need to ask yourself, honestly, why are you rejecting them? And you're going to have to dig deep. Keep asking yourself, why, why, why? Don't stop asking why until you get to the root cause. And I promise you, I promise you, that once you get to the root cause, everything that you've learned in the fundamentals course, it will start to come together. It's a comprehensive roadmap. It's guiding you through every lie that you you will most definitely face. You know, it takes courage to feel into the things that you don't want to feel. To tolerate that discomfort, to challenge your own beliefs, to examine your attachments, to do the unfamiliar and uncomfortable things. It's not your fault that you're dealing with this emotional disorder, but it is your responsibility to correct it. And you can correct it. You know, borderline personality disorder, it is, it's entirely curable. But you need to make a commitment to yourself that you're going to be 100% straight with you yourself. You have to be honest with yourself. This sounds simple, but it's really not. You've been lying to yourself for so long. But you know something? If I can do this, you can do this. You might not be able to see that you view yourself as a piece of shit at first. I certainly didn't. I mean, even when Brian spoke about shit and how we view shit, it still didn't hit home because I wasn't really that bothered about it. I mean, I pick dog poop up all the time. It's not great, is it? But it's not that disgusting. But then, you know, something happened to me that really opened my eyes. So I'm going to tell you about my dog. Anyway, how did I get my dog? Well, a few years ago, I got really drunk and I bought this puppy, an eight-week-old puppy a brindle Staffordshire Bull Terrier. 
And you know, when I woke up the next morning, I regretted it, but the owner wouldn't take him back. And staffies had got a bad reputation, you know, because they were often used for illegal blood sports like badger baiting, and they could be taught to be aggressive and, you know, lock the jaw on kids and things like that. Well, we know that it's really due to the owner's handling and treatment, don't we? But anyway, I decided to keep him and I was going to be this uh, responsible dog owner. I didn't know what to call him, but he put his nose into everything that was dark, damp and, you know, stinky. And so I thought, oh, I've come up with the perfect name. So I, I named him Riff Raff. So every morning I'd get up a few hours early, pop him into the car and take him to a local country park for a, a walk. Anyway, on this particular morning, it was around, just, you know, as dawn was breaking and he went into the bushes as usual because, he, like I say, he's riffraff. And a few minutes later, he came back looking, you know, super proud of himself. And I called him over and he came running for his usual fuss. And I gave him his rub down, telling him what a good boy he was because he was such a good boy and I loved him so much, I really did. He's passed away now, but anyway, he loved his fuss and he was pushing himself against me to get to get more. And then I realised that he'd rolled in something that was wet and lumpy. Oh, my. Oh, to my absolute horror, I had discovered he'd rolled in fresh fox poo. Oh, my gosh. The stench, it was unbearable. It was covered in it, and so was I. And I'd got these two options. I could either put him in the car and drive home or walk this two miles back. But the, honestly, there was no way I could put either of us in the car. Oh, the stench was vile. That you know that if you've never had the pleasure of smelling fox poo on your dog, the only word to describe it—it's indescribable. It's just vile. Anyway, I walked him home stinking of this fox poo. Fox poo. It was in my clothes. It was on my hands. It was even in my hair. I passed dozens of people on that walk home and I know every one of them could smell the stench. One bloke did actually say, oh, oh, met with a bit of fox poo, did you? Oh, anyway. Anyway, the first thing that I did when I got home was to get the hose pipe and give him a bath. But oh my days, the smell got worse. I tried these tin tomatoes, anything that I could think of, but the stench, it wasn't going anywhere. I showered myself. And honestly, no matter how I scrubbed, I still stank. I had to call in sick. There was no way I could go into work smelling like that. I had, I don't even know, but I had countless showers that day. But I couldn't wash that smell away. There wasn't any evidence. You couldn't see it anymore, this fox poo on me, but the smell. Oh, my gosh. But I had to go into work the following day. But this smell, it was still lingering. And I tried my best to cover it up with shower gels, perfumes, deodorants, mouthwash. But I could still smell it. And I'm sure so could other people. And I honestly, I kid you not, this smell, it hung around for over a week. And that was even me bathing riffraff twice a day. I couldn't eat anything in all of that time. Honestly, I could eat nothing because everything would have tasted like poop. Because all I could taste was poop. I was scared to talk to anyone in case they smelled the poop on me. I was convinced it was on my breath too. I'm sure it was. But all I could taste was this fox poo. But, you know, that was a time moments of clarity for me. I was feeling like poop this time. But 
I was actually consciously feeling like poop this time. This was actually disgust. I was feeling disgust. And I rec- honestly, I recognised the physical sensations of disgust. You know, the revulsion in my mouth, my throat, in my stomach, that nausea, being sick. I recognised turning away from my reflection. I recognised how often I covered my mouth and nose and hunched myself over whenever I'd made a mistake. And I recognised making that yuck type of sound and I recognised the wrinkling of my own nose. Those reactions were so, so familiar. I'd always been disgusted about me, about, about my feelings. A worthless piece of poop. And I realised in that, that week, you know, that week of that stinky poop, that I'd always viewed my feelings as good or bad, right or wrong. And honestly, having the knowledge of what shame actually was, how it actually stunk, made my recovery so, so much easier. Honestly, as soon as my body reacted with that familiar disgust, I was on it. I was looking for that poop. I was sniffing it out. And I knew that it wasn't there, but I was sniffing it out. I'd be questioning my thoughts from every angle. You know, why, why, why? And each time getting to the root cause and rejecting that lie. You know, zapping it. Here's an analogy for you. Imagine this old tattoo being removed by laser. You know, the ink's trapped in the deepest layers of the skin. And when that laser light is applied to the skin, it heats up and it kind of shatters the ink that it hits first. The shallower the layers of ink, they're removed before the deepest layers. It takes a lot of laser treatments to penetrate through all of the varying depths of ink in the tattoo. But honestly, each tiny laser zap, it's working. You might not see any difference in the first few treatments. You might even get a blister at first. But you stick with it because every single zap makes a permanent difference. I treated my recovery as my main priority. For those two years with Brian, after finding Brian, it was my full-time job. And I can tell you, from taking in the accurate information that Brian provides, free of charge, you know, It's taken me two years to cure myself completely of borderline personality disorder. Or in other words, from changing from walking around, living my life through my cesspit that was buried so deeply in my subconscious distorted core belief that had been formed so early in my childhood that I couldn't even see it or believe it, to genuinely and authentically loving myself. Not as special, but as unique. Viewing every other person as unique too. Recognising and naturally living my life within my circle in the sand and having no desire to violate another person's circle. Having no spiteful inner dialogue criticising me for every feeling. Having no need or desire for external validation. Loving authentically and unconditionally. Recognising and valuing my needs having emotional intimacy, saying how I feel without blaming or shaming, without feeling attacked or vulnerable, enjoying making mistakes and recognising that making mistakes is what it means to be a person, to be a human being. For anyone that is truly serious about wanting to rid themselves of emotional disordered thinking, 
I recommend the fundamentals course. You know, it's a one-time payment of a few hundred dollars and it will give you a comprehensive roadmap of every lie that has prevented you from eliminating emotional unhealth from your life. I get that it's scary, (laughs) but you've got to open the door to your cesspit and rake around. It stinks. It stinks. But honestly, it can't really hurt you. You'll be wading around in the shit at times, but each and every obstacle that you'll surely face is clearly and comprehensively laid out. And you'll also have the support of others that have or are working their way through the same obstacles that you're dealing with. And you know something, on the other side, when you look back, you'll see that that same shit that you felt that you were drowning in was turned into manure with your raking around in it and your new roots, your new attitudes towards the true nature of feeling self and life. You'll see how green and healthy they are. But does it mean that your life will be perfect? No. What it means is that you'll be able to taste the true flavour of your food without your nose distorting reality by adding poop to the ingredients. What it means is that you will feel your feelings without shame distorting reality. Anyway, that's it for me. I hope you all have a great weekend. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Brian, for everything. What more can I say? Bye. (laughs) 